Oh, you sweet weathered soul. Some days I feel like I've lived over a lifetime and other days I feel like I'm just beginning. Looking back over the past year, I want to say thank you for surviving. Thank you for persevering. Thank you for realizing that you had more to life than being stuck in a vicious cycle influenced by negative people. I am so proud of you for living your life for each and every day and spreading kindness with every smile and every wave. You are beautiful and kind to the core. You continue to grow and amaze me every day. Life might continue to test you, but you can succeed with love. I owe it to the combination of van life and my sweet girl, Kaya. When you feel that burnout, keep pushing. When you feel those tears, keep fighting. When you feel like you've hit rock bottom, know that there is a path to climb out. There is always an answer. You just get to create it. This life is yours. Take it and own it. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and I'm here with Dominique Ritchie. Dominique is a full-time van lifer with her blue healer, Kaya. She travels the world in her van, sharing her stories through her blog and her own podcast, Roaming Roads. She wanders Earth hoping to make a difference by empowering people to live a meaningful life, spreading awareness, kindness, and love to each community she connects with. She is focused on sustainability practices and purchases products with an eco-conscious mission. I was looking for a van lifer and specifically a female van lifer and I came across your profile on Instagram and so I reached out to you so I'm so grateful that you're here today and I'm really excited to hear about your journey because the van life scene is exploding and particularly interesting to me is when a female goes off on her own to live that lifestyle. As a van lifer, where have you traveled? <laughs> so I mostly travel in Canada, especially now since COVID, um, but mostly throughout Canada and the States. I've spent a lot of time traveling through many different states. How long have you been traveling in your van? I started actually in my SUV back in early 2018, right when I wanted to get into van life. I didn't have the budget for a van, so I just jumped right into my car. Um, and then I slowly moved into a little bit larger van, a, a Chevy Express, which is also a cargo van. And from there, moved into what I live in now, which is my Ford Econoline. Why are you passionate about travel? Like, what was it specifically living out of your van? What was it about that that made you want to do it? Yeah. So I think it's definitely changed for me since I started. But lately, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think it's mostly about exploring new places and new cities and uh, towns that people from generations and generations ago, either have previously discovered or not yet discovered. And also being able to take my body and push myself to those physical limits, mostly because I do a lot of hiking and mountaineering. And so exploring places that I know I can go that many people may have never been. I find that my van can take me to those trailheads throughout the countries and yeah, take me to those places. Are you Canadian? I'm from Canada. Yeah. And I've spent actually most of my life in BC. And it wasn't until, um, I guess it was fall of 2018 when I first left BC and I had traveled across Canada. But I was one of those people who I thought travel meant just kind of getting out of your own country. And it 
I never had explored my own country itself. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you chose this lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Why you chose the van life scene? What made you go from, I'm going to travel leisurely and just hop on a plane or jump in my car to, no, I'm going to do this full time. So it started when I had just recently broken up with a long-term boyfriend of mine. I think a lot of our changes in life come when we're very broken and raw. And that's like, in my opinion, and from everything I've learned, like the best time in life to grow and make changes. Um, and I had made a whole new group of friends and I, we, we were into climbing, we were into hiking and we would do these movies and these games nights. And one of the movies they happened to play was the minimalism. I don't know if you've heard of it or yes, I have. Just the documentary. Yes. Yes. And I have. it changed my life. It just totally changed my life. It was like every everything I was looking for, everything that I was feeling that I couldn't put into words was suddenly in this video. And it talks a lot about tiny living and getting rid of things and talks about holding things in your life that have value and things that you hold on in your life that don't hold any value and what that does to you emotionally and mentally and the whole bit. Anyways, I highly recommend that anyone that's even considering a travel lifestyle watch the minimalism. Um, But anyway, so it started with that and I was just determined that I was going to live in a van. Like I just, I wanted to live in a tiny home and then I discovered car life and I discovered van life through Instagram and Facebook. And I didn't have, as I was saying earlier, the funds to move into a van right away because van life was kind of just becoming trendy in 2018 and things were like, they're very expensive to get a van that's already done. And so I had a really nice hatchback SUV that I actually lived out of for five months. <laughs> I did. I slowly moved. I got slowly got rid of everything and I only owned what I could put in my SUV. That was all I was allowing myself to have was what could fit in my SUV. Um, so when I actually did this, I did it over three or four months. I moved completely. Yeah, just completely into my SUV. And I moved from a very typical city living life in North Vancouver up to Squamish. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty crazy and everyone in my life thought I was crazy, but I just felt it in my heart. Yeah. But you know, they're jealous now though. (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. They were like, you're crazy before, but now they're like, ah, man. (laughs) Well, it's funny. Like I get all the time people like, I wish I could do what you do. Or like they, I love what you're doing. And it's funny. You know, I always think to myself, you know, anyone can do this, but I know that everyone's lifestyle is so different, but I really truly believe that if you really want this lifestyle, like you can totally do it. Just have to have the courage. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's funny because I, I definitely, I see myself in the future, definitely taking at least some time, if not a year or more doing the van life thing that is on my bucket list (laughs) because I honestly, if I didn't have to come back home (laughs) from the Tetons and the glacier last week, I wouldn't have, (laughs) if I had a van, like that would just be the most incredible thing. So kudos to you. Yeah, that would be the best because then you you don't have a, especially when you work from home, you don't have a time limit. You can make your own schedule and your home is wherever you park it, it, literally. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's funny because I mean, I have to be on set sometimes Mm. 
if people don't know, I'm a producer and I shoot <laughs> a lot. I do photography and video. Uh, so I have to be on set. However, then I have weeks on weeks where I get to edit from my laptop or my computer and that, you know, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Uh, like the part-time van life is still a van life. It doesn't have right. to be full-time. Right. So, and I take breaks too from time to time, full disclosure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, I need a place <laughs> for a second. A bath. Yes. Bubble bath. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you saying that I actually, what is the most challenging thing you faced traveling solo in a van, uh, mm. particularly as a woman? I think that is, I, I don't know what, it's probably not as hard, honestly, but it's like in my head as a woman, I'm like, could be dangerous, you know, mm. I don't know. So yeah, I'd love to pick your brain and, and just kind of tell me about that whole situation. It is, it has been, there have been some really terrifying moments, uh, especially when I very first started, I was pretty terrified at the thought that anyone might know at any time that I was going to be sleeping in my vehicle. So I think I had a little bit of anxiety probably for sure. Whenever I'd be going to sleep, like I would be very aware of who was walking around at night and who was kind of in the area, especially men. And there's nothing particularly against men. That was just like my anxiety, um, worried that they might know that there's a single woman. And a lot of the advice that I got when I was very first starting in my car life phase from other van lifers was to never tell anyone where you're going, what you're doing, or to ever hint that you are sleeping in your vehicle. Um, but I mean, I, I never have never had anything where my life has been in danger, but I've definitely had very scary moments. Um, I think that one way to avoid any kind of scary moment is um, being woken up at 2 a.m. from somebody knocking on your door. But really, that's because I parked in a place that I wasn't supposed to park in and somebody was kicking me out. Still terrifying. And that person, if they're not a professional, is generally very angry and very rude. So it's still very scary. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then in the, in the States, I've, I actually never had any encounters at all that were negative. I actually only had some interesting, angry people in Canada. But I mean, that honestly is just from parking in front of someone's house or from parking um, overnight somewhere that says no parking. That was when I very first started out. And I don't do that anymore simply because I do my research ahead of time and um, just out of respect and knowing more about the lifestyle. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, getting back to it though, like that was, that's only happened twice to me. And the other huge, huge factor in this is Kaya, my dog. I got her last August when I had um, just before this new van, and that has totally changed everything for me. Having her in the van, no issues. Like I don't feel anxious when I go to sleep at all. I know that if she hears something, she's going to alert me. And for some strange reason, and maybe that's either because I've been doing van life for almost two years or just over two years now or the fact that I have a dog or a combination of both, I don't have that fear at all anymore. Yeah, I think having another animal or another being inside your van is probably really helpful, especially a dog, you know, like it's just you have a little bit of defense there. 
Um, so are there any stories that you have about any of the challenges that you've had during your van life time? I would say that van life for me has like 95% positives. And if there are challenges in van life, I would same thing, circle back to parking. Um, I think now that people are more aware of, um, the lifestyle, more and more people are, it's becoming obviously trendy and more people are aware every time, even my parents now they see a van that's a Ford transit or a Mercedes sprinter. They're like, Oh, someone's living in there. And so even if you're not, um, and you're parking somewhere, it just can cause some tension. And I think there's a little bit of like, what do you call that? Um, stigma around the topic too. But yeah, I would say mostly overnight camping has been the biggest challenge for me. And I mitigate those challenges by doing a lot of research in advance into knowing where I'm going. And that's simply from a few different like apps that I use one in Canada. And I don't know if you have it in the States is I overlander. That's a good one. And I actually, to recommend somebody else who travels in the States and um, she, it's divine on the road. I don't know if you've seen her on Instagram. I think I have actually Sydney Fabracci. Yeah. So she, uh, she recommends a app that she uses for free camping around the States. And I can't remember the name of it, but I would definitely that, go in. I think it's camp camp. I, I have the app. It's camp. Uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. It's called Campendium. Is that what it is? Okay. I think it, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer not to pay for camping just because van life for me is about traveling and exploring. And a lot of that is budget, especially when you're spending a lot of that money on gas. And so provincial park camping can be really expensive in BC. So I try to avoid that. Although sometimes it is nice to not only support the parks, but also freshen up with a nice hot shower. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like Crown land is great. Rest stops are great. And then often in a lot of the interior of BC, yeah, there's a lot of off-roads on crown land. So you can happily park with no issues, but that would be my biggest challenge. What is crown land? Oh yeah. You don't have that there. I think it's BLM in the Uh, States. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's crown land. So the queen, the royal (laughs) crown land. That's what we call it here. And that's land here that is like, it's, it's free range kind of for people to okay. use at their own well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for us, it's BLM. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Do you have any tips or tricks hmm. for women who want to do what you do? Yeah. So I would definitely say that you want to have ways to protect yourself at all times. Um, mostly this would be for at night. Um, I would recommend taking a self-defense course. It's something that I'm looking into doing um, so that you've got a way to get out of a situation if you happen to get in one. Another tip would be to research the area before you go. Know the bad areas and the good areas. Generally, if you Google an area, you can like information is going to pop up and you can get a vibe of whether or not you want to be in that area. Yeah, the ways to protect yourself, I would say that I... I carry bear spray for hiking and mountaineering. And I also keep that very close to me at nighttime near my bed so that if someone were to break into my van, um, that would be my way of self-defense. Although I don't know how well that would go spraying bear spray in a van, but ultimately something, 
<laughs> That's my thing. Because also, I, if there's a bear, and also if a, we have that happen in Canada, grizzlies do and black bears do break into vehicles. And honestly, that would be worse than a person. That would be so terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In uh, Yosemite here in California, bears in that area are definitely known to break into vehicles, like destroy. Yeah vehicles. And it's funny because when we went to the Grand Tetons, they said that the bears there don't actually break into cars. And we thought like this ranger was joking because we're so used to what it is in California. He's like, no, you could keep it as like a bear box. And I I was really surprised because in California. (laughs) Oh yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that even with coolers that the bears will just, they'll rip open anything. Yeah, we've had, we have, and that's the other thing too. Yeah, problem bears and with van life as well, like keeping all your food and your garbage inside your van. That's going to be your best way to mitigate that. And I always dispose of my garbage every night. I don't ever have lingering garbage, which I think, and I have a fridge. So my food smell is pretty contained, which definitely would make a difference. Um, But yeah, the other thing I wanted to say was to any like woman out there that are thinking about this that are maybe a little bit scared or worried is to just like be brave and have that confidence in yourself. And most importantly is believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- <laughs> you go hiking a lot, right? I heard about Dude. your moose incident. Oh my gosh. The moose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually saw a moose last night. I was, when I was driving here from, Did you? I'm not even kidding. I was driving so I'm in, I'm in Blind Bay right now near Salmon Arm in BC, but I was driving up from Invermere and I was at a, a resort there called Panorama. It's absolutely gorgeous. If anyone's interested in a new ski resort, that's very un, underpopulated. It's gorgeous Panorama, but I was driving down the road late at night and sure enough, there was three, not just one, three, three, <laughs> three on the road. And I actually, yeah, cause I'm in this huge van. I, I had to swerve to miss them and it was a little bit scary, but it, it just reminded me of the, of the moose chase. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I was chased by a moose <laughs> about a month and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that situation. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I've grown up in BC. We consider ourselves relatively wild in Canada. <laughs> but uh, I've never actually encountered um, any anything negative ever. I've always ran into a lot of black bears, and that's I mean that's really pretty much it. But they're generally scared of you, and they run away. And you don't generally have any aggressive encounters. They're just super rare to come across. And we do have moose, um, like a moose population here, kind of sporadically throughout BC. But same thing. Like I mean, I. I mean, you can, people who go hunting um, year after year may never see a moose. You just, yeah. Anyways, so I moved. They're so hard to find. Mm, yeah. They're really hard to find. Except for you. <laughs> they seem to like you. So I moved down into the Kootenays and I was doing a hike in Fernie, BC. And I had just moved there. So I was really new to the area. Didn't do a lot of research had my bear spray in my backpack, which is a number one no-no in the back of your backpack. You want to have it on your chest. And regardless, so Kai and I were just starting out on this, at this trailhead. We ran into two ladies at the trailhead and they said um, that we should take this, this one trail. It was called the real trail. 
and they had highly recommended it to us that it was a really nice, pretty casual loop. And so we thought that's perfect. Let's do that. Nice and easy. So we started in, we were about four kilometers in and I, yeah, just like going along yelling, Hey bear, just minding our own business. And we come into like, it's just this gorgeous area. Like I can't really explain on the podcast, but it was like winding in through these beautiful old growth forest. And there's this massive sign just off the main road. It says like old growth cedar forest. And I thought, well, why not? We'll just pop in there and see these huge cedar trees. And my friend is an arborist. And so he, he falls trees and he does a lot of storm damage and tree pruning and everything to do with trees. He loves trees. And so I saw this massive, like burly cedar tree. And I thought this is like the coolest tree. I'm just going to video this tree for him. So I just turned like my back to the trail a little bit and went to video this tree. And all of a sudden I heard this like, wow, that's not how, that's not how it moves sounds at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I heard this crash come out of the bush and the moose. Oh, like, that's terrible. No, I love like, it. It's so funny. How does the moose sound? I was like, Roar. like it honestly made <laughs> like, this like this growl and just really, like, yeah, it actually made this horrible, terrifying sound. I'm feeling quite flushed, quite hot. It's just bringing back the memory of the of being charged. But it was just, it was so surprising. I went from turning to videoing this tree to hearing this loud roar and looking in this to my left and the moose was charging me from the left and charging fully running at me and i could just got a glimpse out of the corner of my eye this tiny calf standing behind her it was the cow moose <gasps> charging me oh my god and i just screamed for the life of me if any i don't know how many people know much about moose but all you have to do is just get behind a tree cuz you can kind of dodge them behind trees maybe. And so that's good I to just know. like, yeah, it's good advice. But the better part of the advice is that you definitely can't get there. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> By the time the moose started charging me and I looked and I went to run for the trees, it was actually because I caught on video it was three seconds. You're about to hear a piece of that video right when the moose was going to attack Dominique. So here it is. From the time you hear the moose to me screaming to the moose turning away, it was three seconds. <gasps> so, but she oh bluff God. charged me. Yeah. So she ran up to me and then just came right up in my face <gasps> and then turned around and ran away. But it was, I can't really explain like, I mean, it, it just, I just felt so like ignorant for like, not paying attention on the trail, even though we all have our phones on, we're all videoing and f- taking photos, but I just like to not be paying attention for that moment. And yeah, but moose are so quiet. Yeah. I didn't They're see unbelievably her. quiet and they're so good at hiding. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So that happened and I had Kaya on the leash and she was actually really good. She, she didn't react at all. I think she was just as scared or if not more scared than me. Um, Kai's just like, what the heck? Yeah. And so then we were both just standing there and I actually I threw my phone in fear. So that I spent a few minutes, I found my phone. She had run off with the calf 
And I was just like, I went, I went into pure shock for hours, like just complete hours because everyone that I spoke to after that, they said like, you were so lucky to be alive. The fact that that moose didn't just trample you from, especially with Kaya, um, thinking that we were a threat but as a dog, she puts off that scent and instinctually they think wolf or dog is a threat to her newborn calf. Um, yeah. So when I went down into back into Fernie and I went straight to an outdoor shop because I wanted to buy a new backpack that had a bear spray holder in the front (laughs) right away. So that's what I did. And I told them what happened and they're like, wow, you know, you are so lucky to be alive, but did you you realize, (laughs) but they said, do you realize that you went into the highest populated moose area in like all of Fernie and that it's calving season, which is June. (gasps) So all the cows, um, yeah, the cow moose are calving and therefore extremely aggressive and protective of their calves. So I just like put myself into that situation because I didn't do my research and I was just like going on a trail that I thought was easy and calm and mm -hmm. wow. That's the story. That is insane. You are so lucky. But it's crazy because that happened in three seconds. How do you react? Like that's so Yeah, Oof. so that's that's the other point of it was I've I've overanalyzed this entire situation for the past. I mean, I still am. Um I think about it all the time when I go into the bush now. Like it's just completely made me a different person when I'm in the bush. I'm much more aware and definitely respectful of the environment that's around me. Um, but I would definitely say though, that like, don't expect to be able to use the bear spray within that three seconds. I mean, depending on what animal is charging you, you're very likely, I'm going to, I'm just going to say very likely from my experience, not going to be able to pull that out in time. And that's simply just because of how fast those animals are. And so having it on your chest gives you the ability, if you are on the ground and being attacked, to then be able to pull it out and to protect yourself because you will still be able to protect yourself that way. But anyways, I know that's not like the most happy topic, but it's a real topic that when we're taught about how to use bear spray, it's like, okay, make a stance, which direction is the wind blowing and make a wall. And it, it goes through all the steps. But in reality, I mean, if you can prepare yourself for that situation by seeing the animal ahead of time. That's amazing. But when that situation, situations like that happen, there's no preparation. Part of the reason why I have this podcast is because I love those kinds of stories so that we can help my viewers to kind of prepare for those kinds of moments because it's not talked about enough. I don't think, you know, like the real actual stories of that happening. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so I'm grateful for that because you are, you know, helping prepare somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How do you do what you do? Uh, you know, a lot of people hope to travel the world to do the whole van life thing. How do you make it happen? How do you support yourself? How do you, you know, how do you jump into it? Hmm. So I work for parks seasonally. And for BC Parks, I work for um, BC Parks contracts out their seasons to different companies. So I work for a contracting company of BC Parks and they do that seasonally right now. And that's just the summertime. And that funds me mostly um, 
prior to van life, I was working, you know, a regular nine to five as a paramedic. So I had a very comfortable living that way. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so interesting that you're a paramedic. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I have, I have many <laughs> branches, <laughs> but yeah. And so then when I chose van life, I, what I really wanted to do was give back into the spaces that I was spending the most time in. So, and when you live in a van, of course you're, you're, you definitely have expenses, um, but your expenses are less, especially if you travel and move around a little bit less, you have less fuel expenses. So seasonally for parks. And then in the winter time in Canada, you have the op- option of going on EI, which is unemployment insurance, mm-hmm. or you can work a winter job at a ski hill, which I know a lot of van lifers do. I am just transitioning into remote work. So I'm hoping to be able to completely work online remotely and that'll give Kai and I some more time. Yeah. I love it. That is a, that is really helpful. Um, I think a lot of people like wonder how they're going to, you know, they have their nine to five jobs and a lot of them don't work remotely, although COVID's changed that, I think. Yes. <laughs> I think a lot more companies are starting to see that it's possible to work remotely. So that's, I'm seeing more of that in the job industry. I think that's going to be amazing for so many people that have wanted to do van life and yes. have been worried about how they can move their job into that. I think it's going to open some amazing doors for people that have felt tied down. Yeah. I, and I think, honestly, people will stay at that job longer. Yeah, you give them the freedom. Yes. I love you know, that. There's a lot more loyalty when you give freedom to your your employees and expect them to do the job, even though they are traveling or uh, living and working remotely. Yes. So advice to employers: <laughs> do the job remotely. Let us travel. Let us travel. We'll stay with you forever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's lots of remote income um, avenues and there's, I mean, I could go on for a long time about them. I just, I'm not a professional in them because I don't do them, but there's, I mean, if you look up different types of remote jobs, I mean, you've got virtual assistant and social media marketing, you've got all kinds of things that will let you live that different alternative lifestyle. What would your advice be for an aspiring younger Dominique? Don't be, don't be afraid of what people might think of you. Don't be afraid of being judged or being different. Um, be yourself because you will attract the most like-minded people simply from being yourself. And I think that that is like the most beautiful realization that I've come to in my later 20s um, because I've spent a lot of my time trying to fit into different groups and not being true to myself. And since making that transition, I just feel like so many doors have now opened for me. I love that. (laughs) I think a lot of times, I think that's the story of so many people where we all try to fit into the mold when being the crazy people that we are (laughs) or the unique people that we are is the best because we'll attract those same kind of, uh, I call myself a weirdo, you know, (laughs) but a good one, you know, like a fun, crazy, you know, but we're all that way. We're just afraid a little bit to be it, you know, exactly. Because we're so concerned about what other people think. And if we just stopped, we could just see that everyone else is kind of crazy in their own way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. Uh, Yeah. 
What is your favorite trail? Because you're a hiker, right? And you do mountaineering. Favorite trail or favorite hike that you've done? Oh, I would. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day as well. I think about a lot of things apparently. But uh, because every single hike I go on, it's like, oh my gosh, this was the best hike ever. Like they're just all so unique in their own way. It's like a whole nother world when you get to the peak and you can see beyond and you're like, well, what's over there? Um, so the, mo- the two most recent hikes I've been on, I've actually been debating which was better. One was in Fernie. It was called the Three Sisters. It's a, re- it's a pretty popular one in Fernie, BC. And that one is 20, just over 26 kilometers round trip, but it goes through kind of like everything. It's spectacular. It goes from the forest. You get to see a massive cave and you go up and you see like a cascade of waterfalls. And then you get into the subalpine and and then the alpine. So you're going through scree and scrambling and rock. And then you get to a beautiful summit where there's a radio tower and you can oversee the entire city and then all the surrounding peaks. So it's absolutely phenomenal. And the other hike that I just did that was the more recent of the two was called Pearly Rock in Glacier National Park here in Canada. And that's in the Rocky Mountains. And the Rocky Mountains just have my heart. And oh, so beautiful. That one was so unique because it's it's very challenging. It's um, There's a lot of elevation gain, but you get to like touch a glacier where you can walk right up to it. The whole glacier is exposed and it's just magic. It's so, so nice. So it's two different, they were just two different worlds. The one was just summer at the bottom and winter at the top. Wow. Did you backpack it or did you just do a day hike? Yeah, day hike. I'm a a big fan of the day hikes. Yeah. That's rough. That's a long... (laughs) I think 26 uh, kilometers are, it's like 16 miles or something. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who knows? I don't know who's, you know, could be American, could be Canadian. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, 16 miles in a day. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. I can't do that. My feet can't handle. I have too many injuries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just have to take it slow, work slow, and then support yourself. Favorite place that you've traveled to? Favorite is hard, but memorable would be the Oregon coast for me in Portland. It's stunning. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's iconic, but it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, in the States, that would be the place that I would always want to visit again and again. And in Canada, I would say the Kootenays, the Kootenays, the Kootenays, yeah, that's what it's called here. And it's just, it's so vast and so diverse and there's, it's endless, endless amounts of things to do here. It's absolutely beautiful. I love the, the hot springs that are kind of scattered throughout the mountains. That's a really yes. nice thing about the Kootenays here. Yeah. Have you done the California hot springs? No, I have not. They're pretty amazing too. There's a string of, uh, right after Mammoth, uh, like Lake Tahoe, Mam- there's a whole string of hot springs. I've done the ones in Bishop, so that might yes. be part of it. 
part of yes, one of the that's part of them. But there's a bunch. You just keep going down, and if you know where to go, there. Some of them are right next to the river. They're all natural hot springs. It's just so beautiful. Our friend introduced me uh, to that whole. Like it's a, it's pretty much a it's a secret, but it's not a secret, you know. So yes, it's yeah. just so nice. You could totally take your van there. Oh yes, that's one of the hardest parts for me about this winter is um, not knowing where I'm going to go. I normally would go to the go to California, go to the states, and travel around in my van there because our our Canadian winters are winters cold. very cold. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really going to miss the states this year. So you don't think that it's going to, it's not going to open it up. You can't, you can't come in, huh? <laughs> I guess I've just given my opinion away. <laughs> yes. I, I, I am, I'm worried that it's not going to open back up and that's just because yeah. of, yeah, the way things seem to be going. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of, it's crazy right now. I know. Yeah. We're, <laughs> so crazy. It is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully by the spring or even <laughs> midwinter. <laughs> Fingers that would be so nice. Tell me your most meaningful person that you met on your travels. Hmm. There have been so many meaningful people that I've met, but the most recent one that comes to mind is my friend Matt. And we met at a trailhead, of course. Um, I was in my van and he was in a car. And I didn't actually realize at first that he was living out of his car until we were chatting because we saw a black bear and we were both kind of alerting one another that there was a black bear in the area. And then we asked each other if we wanted to hike together because we were both a little bit, I had actually recently been chased by the moose and he had recently been stalked by a cougar. So we were in a similar boat. (laughs) I know, but these, these, these are the things that happen when you live on the road, you meet the most interesting people. And then your stories are just like out of this world. (laughs) <laughs> but so anyways, and then he, we just started chatting and it was just like, he had been living out of, he had just moved into his car and had been living out of it for say a month or two. And we had just aligned on so many levels about so many different things and, and his values and what he was kind of changing and seeing in life and the patterns and people that he wanted to kind of manifest and bring into his life. And in that same period in my life, I had just moved back into um, this new van that I'm in. And I was kind of actually a little bit like unsettled. I wasn't sure as I'm getting older, like, do I really want to live in a van? Do I want to settle down and be in a house? I was kind of having doubts, especially with Kaya being in the van full time with me, my dog. Um, And so chatting with him, he just kind of sparked that light. It was like that girl I saw back in 2018 who lived in her SUV, which was me. And it was like the whole thing I saw all over again that just inspired me to remind myself of exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I love what I'm doing. And it just, it empowered me to keep going. And I think that in life, we need those moments and those people to just like have those conversations with and just kind of, um, not reiterate, not reiterate or remind us, but to remind us, I guess, yeah, that we are on the right journey. To yeah, respark that. Yeah, flame. respark it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know a hundred percent. Like I'm talking to you, and I'm just like, you guys just got to keep going because I feel mm-hmm. like there's a reason. There's a reason why we're doing things and why we're put in certain places, and there's so much more to explore. 
Yeah. You know? So don't, don't stop. I, I, I say, just keep, keep doing your thing. Yeah. And there that's the can, thing. You can always come back to a house. You can always have an apartment, but right now you're like in the midst of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, and I think I'm putting it out to the universe that it's going to be something even bigger than what you think. And, uh, I, I believe that it, it will be. Oh, I love that. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. yeah I feel like it's going to, it's, I'm telling you, there's something, I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel like there's going to be something that happens in your life on the road. That is, that's what you're meant to be. And you haven't gotten there yet. So just, just Ooh. wait it out. Wait it out. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's true though. And I think that just comes back to like the judgment piece of it too, right? You always, you always have self self doubt in kind of whatever you're doing. So just to remind yourself that, yeah, encourage yeah. yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you got to have a talk with yourself and say, why, why am I doing this? Oh yeah, that's right. I'm mm-hmm. doing this because I love this. I wanted to do this, you know? And, and like I said, with everything that we choose in life, there's going to be challenges, but you got to like weigh out the pros and cons. And I feel like you have a lot more pros. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of pros. Yeah. There are definitely a lot are. of pros. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So where are you going to next? Hmm. So since I'm not going to be able to go to the States likely, um, I'm kind of planning for either Squamish or Revelstoke in terms of kind of settling in for the winter. I think I've done a lot of roaming around BC and Alberta this kind of this summer, but a little bit less because of COVID kind of keeping my circle pretty small while COVID is still happening. I want to hunker down again for the winter just to be a little bit more responsible as well as be able to just ski in one place. I'm going to be skiing at Whistler, Whistler and Blackcomb or Revelstoke Mountain Resort. So nice. yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where I want to be. Squamish, the climate there is a lot more mild. It's a oh, beautiful okay. place and it's not nearly as cold. Revelstoke is, I mean, you're talking feet and feet of snow and highway closures all the time and avalanche control. And that just is a bit more scary when you're in the van. So yeah, you can find Whoa. me in Squamish or Revelstoke. <laughs> so, so when you say mild, like what is mild? Cause like... <laughs> I'm going to say like minus five. Don't quote me on this, but I'm going to say like Squamish in the minus five range, whereas minus, Re- minus like five is 23 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> that's like freezing cold. Okay. That's mild. Okay. <laughs> that's crazy. So okay, I would well. say like minus, I would say in the colder months of Revelstoke between minus 10 to minus 20. And colder for sure, but minus 10 to minus 20. And yeah. What do you, oh, what is that in Fahrenheit? Minus 10 is 14 degrees. Mm-hmm. We would mm-hmm. have cold advisories. <laughs> That's would you really? <laughs> yes, you would see like, uh, whatever, winter advisory. Please don't go outside, shorten the time that you're outside, like that. And, you yeah. know, you don't, you're not even considering the wind chill factor. So no, forget it. Everyone would be freaking out. yeah that's true so and in terms of like I honestly could I have never hmm, I've I've temporarily done winter in the van last winter but also part of that I was staying in Airbnbs because it was so cold yeah Um, it was kind of partial van lift partial Airbnbs on and off for a couple of months and so 
this is going to be interesting because generally I would do winter in Canada for a few weeks and then I would go down to the States and warm up for a few weeks. So yeah, I'm just going to have to play it by ear. But for the rest of the summer, just hiking as much as I can through Glacier National Park. Yeah. Yes. It's so funny because I was on the border of Canada Mm -hmm. in Glacier and I was like, I'm like 10 miles. It's right there. Like I could just cross over. I wish the borders were open. I would totally have gone. Yes. (laughs) So you talked about your favorite location. Are there any tips and tricks for traveling to your favorite destinations? You said Oregon and um, I forgot Mm -hmm. the other. Oh, and the Kootenays. The Kootenays. That's what it is. If you're, no matter where you're going to travel in BC, um, definitely book ahead for your reservations for camping. People come here from all over the world. Um, and even this summer, I mean, as working for parks, even this summer without people coming from Europe, especially, um, it's still completely booked up with BC and Alberta residents mostly. Wow. So, cause they're just, I mean, it's just so popular and everyone wants to spend their summer vacation. So that would be my biggest tip would be to plan book camping in advance. If you are going to stay at a provincial or even a national park, um, you're going to be wanting to plan at least six to eight months in advance. Holy moly. hmm, Yeah, because in the national parks, you can't stay overnight. You can't just pull over somewhere. And our national parks are huge. So you're going to be driving likely for hours if you want to get out of of one of them after a night of hiking or a day of hiking. So that would be the biggest one. And um, yeah, the other place I didn't actually mention earlier that I was thinking about was the Okanagan in BC. The wineries here, we have a lot of wine like tours that people do all the time in the summer. And I highly recommend doing a wine tour and going and seeing our wineries. They stretch for multiple cities in a row. And yeah, I think that that would be something that everyone should definitely do. You could easily do that in a van parked, (laughs) parked in your van while you're having wine samples. Nice. (laughs) Or tastings. Yeah. But that's a, that's a really great way to experience the interior of BC. The Okanagan in BC is a very desert, and it's a completely different uh, climate than the Kootenays, which is forest and, yeah. Wow, interesting. Mountain. So the Kootenays are like alpine, mountains. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, lots, lots of different types of forests and grasslands and a lot of, um, a lot of different mountain ranges throughout the Kootenays. And then you kind of skip over one more range and then you're in the desert or like a nice type of desert. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. I can't wait to explore Canada because it's, oh, it's something I really, really would love to do. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is the, I know you're a minimalist because obviously you're living out of a van. So but I'm going to ask you this question anyway, what's the one interesting item that you take with you when you travel or something that you purchase. Uh, I purchase like a magnet everywhere I go. So like my whole fridge is like covered with these magnets. So it's like something that I do. (laughs) I love that. That's actually really nice. Um, I don't have a magnetic fridge. So I thought (laughs) that would be really, that's actually really nice because similar to that, I actually used to buy stickers yeah. Like really funky stickers. And on my old van, I actually plastered with stickers on the back from all the places, all the state parks I went to. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that with this van. 
Um, so I actually haven't been collecting stickers lately, but that's, you could also do like a sticker board. That would be pretty cool. Similar to a magnet board. Um, but something completely different that I take with me everywhere is my hammock. Oh, nice. Um, yes. I think because I don't really have like a big couch or a big lounge space and even my bed is a little bit cramped. So being able to just be in my hammock and have that as my place to kind of my chill zone is really nice. Yes. I actually have a hammock and I love bringing that when I go camping. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the beauty of van life is that you have everything that you own with you at all times, <laughs> but yeah. Where can we find you? Are there any promotional things like social media, your podcast, website, et cetera? Tell us. Tell all. Yeah. So you can find me at She Wanders Earth. And my website is also shewandersearth.ca. And my podcast is called Roaming Roads. And yeah, you're more than welcome to email me or message me if you've got any questions. I get questions all the time and I do my best to answer every single one of them. Tell me about your podcast, Roaming Roads. Yeah. So I have just recently started it. I started it when the pandemic broke out. It was something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think a lot of us started new things when the pandemic broke out. <laughs> and uh, I think it was, yeah, a leap of faith. And uh, it's been a really interesting journey for me podcasting. It's um, out of my comfort zone a little bit, but it is, it's been really, really nice being able to share my adventures with my audience kind of on a deeper level. I don't have necessarily one specific thing I like to talk about. I love incorporating van life into my podcast and um, Q&A, but I also love to share my stories like my moose chase and um, have my friends on that want to talk about different topics. Like I've got another one coming out on meditation and yeah, all kinds of fun things. So check it out. I love it. So yes, check her podcast out, Roaming Roads. Dominique, thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. <laughs>